Hey guys, welcome to the Science of Parenting. We're here live. And as you know, if you've been on a live with us before, we always like to start with some of our beliefs and ground rules. So let's roll right into it so we can get into today's topic. Roll with it. Talk about it. I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so we have three beliefs here at this uh, three beliefs at the science of parenting. Uh, the first is that we have a pluralistic approach to parenting, which basically just means we believe there's more than one way to raise great kids. Our second belief is that it's our job to provide research-based trustworthy information, but parents are the experts on your kids. So we believe that you get to decide how this information fits your family. And our third belief is that we're parenting educators, but we know that some parent-child relationships might need additional uh, professional support. And so we always encourage you to seek those experts out in your local communities. Absolutely. And along with those beliefs, we also like to share a couple of ground rules since this is live. Uh, we remember... Uh, always that this is a judgment-free zone at the mm -hmm. science of parenting. We want to make sure that we aren't blaming or shaming other parents. We uh, oftentimes do that well enough to ourselves. So uh, this is a judgment-free zone here at the Science of Parenting. Also, uh, as you make comments, we want to make sure that you focus your comments on your reality and the things that are happening in your world instead of uh, sharing comments about others. And then also one of my favorite ground rules is that we as hosts, <laughs> we reserve the right to pass on answering any of your personal questions uh, towards us. So uh, with those three ground rules, I will bring in our producer, Kenzie, and she will share some additional logistics with you. Hello, everyone. I'm Mackenzie DeYoung, podcast producer, a family life educator alongside these wonderful ladies as well. And I'm here to just give you some of those logistics, like Lori said. Hopefully you should be seeing closed captioning. If you're not, um, you might just have to hit that gear dude, as I've called them in all of the lives. <laughs> I have no better way of saying it, so I just call him. He's it. a gear dude. It's I just cool. keep calling him the gear dude. You'll, I'll, 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 I might just stick. I might as well just stick to it by just, it. at this point. So uh, if you're not seeing closed captioning, that should be a solution. If we still aren't seeing closed captioning, I might need to figure some things out. Um, and then the other comment I wanted to make is in regards to the comments, uh, we do want to just give you a reminder. Uh, we set the ground rules that in that comment section, please follow those ground rules. Be nice. No shaming and blaming, um, and just know that we do have eyes on that. So uh, if we aren't following those ground rules, we are going to, uh, we might respond, we might delete comments that don't follow those, but we do want to keep this uh, an environment of no shaming, no blaming, that sort of a thing. So just wanted to give that reminder again and kind of reiterate that. So that's awesome. all I Thanks, have. Man. Yeah. Thanks. So let's get started. Yeah, yes. So always start with the official title, you know, there or the official intro. It's only right. So welcome officially to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. We'll talk about the realities of being a parent and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. I am Mackenzie Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks, and I'm a parenting educator. And I'm Lori Hayings, and I have three children in three different life stages. One is launched 
thankfully, starting that full-time job last week, just so I can throw that in because it's finally uh, quarantined out over here. So uh, anyway, yeah, I have a second who is in college and a third who is uh, still in school. So I'm also a parenting educator, and we are excited to have you here today. Today, we're actually kicking off season two. Yes. And today specifically, we're going to talk about being both a parent and a person. Uh, I think that's pretty important, right? Because we are both a parent and a person here at the Science of Parenting. And we're going to take some time to honor ourselves as an individual first. And this is often called self-care. So I'm sure you've probably heard that word, but we wanted to mm -hmm. make sure that you thought about how important it is to also think of yourself as an individual and not just as a parent. Mm, what do you think about that, Mackenzie? Well, I know sometimes when we think about hearing, you know, parenting education or parenting advice, it's all about our kids. And we think you're worthwhile, right? You are worthy. You are a good enough reason to take care of yourself because you're a person. And when we were talking about this episode and I was thinking about this idea of self-care, it was like, okay, this is crazy. So my whole life, I have been a person. Like this whole time I've been alive, been a person. And then- have been. I became a parent and like, whoa, crazy, wild, still a person, right? You are. <laughs> Even with little kids who feel like they take, it might take every part of me sometimes. I'm still a person, right? You are and still a person. I just, because I'm a person, even though I'm a parent, uh, because I'm a person, I need to practice self-care. Um, you know, for me, for my kids, for everybody, uh, I need to practice that self-care so I can bring my best self or okay, maybe not always my best self, maybe just my good self sometimes, <laughs> but so I can bring my best self to the table with my family. So you're kind of sharing about why you think it's so important to focus on self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm a person. Because <laughs> you're a person. Yeah. And you, you know, you mentioned because we're always on the clock, right? Parenting yes. is big work, but we're still a person. So we're going to start off with kind of a definition of self-care, right? So Orem defines self-care as the practice of activities that individuals personally initiate. So activities we personally initiate and perform, my favorite part here, on our own behalf. That's my favorite part too. So, right? <laughs> the practice of activities that that we practice, okay, the practice of activities we personally initiate and perform on our own behalf to maintain life, health, and well being. Mm -hmm. Super cool definition. Yeah. And very overarching, right? That's not just for parenting. That's just how do we take care of ourselves on right. our own behalf? Yes. And I think it's worth noting that this particular citation, this like research reference, is from a text called. Uh, nursing concepts of practice. So a lot of the research from this episode and a lot of the research we did to prepare for this comes from the medical field. I feel like sometimes people will hear this word self-care and they think it's like, oh, that nice little fluffy idea of these luxurious things that people do for themselves. No, a lot of the research in self-care is from the medical field because it's important to our physical health and our mental health and all kinds of health. And so it's worth mentioning that the science is real. The science exactly. is very real. Exactly. And it's almost like if you toss that word medical, then all of a sudden you stop guilt and shame, 
you know, shaming yes. and guilting yourself, right? Because, oh, wait, the medical field says that I actually need to perform these activities for mm -hmm. myself, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, so in your current reality right now, wherever you are, mm -hmm. in the chat box, we would like you to share what you think self-care looks like. And I'm going to have Mackenzie share hers while you type your ideas of what self-care looks like. Mackenzie's going to share hers. So later in the episode, we have this breakdown of these four different kinds of self-care. So hang with us for that. Uh, but honestly, uh, total, total transparency right now in my reality is I've been struggling with some mental health things lately. And so a lot of my self-care focus right now is a lot of my like basic needs. So things like getting up in the morning and taking a shower and taking my medication and following some of my routines, those are some really, they might seem really basic. And a lot of the time I wouldn't even classify it as self-care, but those basic tasks are a really important part of my self-care right now. And then um, even some of the other things like getting out of sleep and monitoring my caffeine intake, which does not come naturally to me. <laughs> um, but when I think specifically of parenting, like my parenting self-care right now, it's taking breaks when I need them, like mm -hmm. stepping out for a minute, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, like that I say I need a break and I need to take it. Um, if my children are safe. I can, even if it's just walk in the other room to take a breath. So that's mm -hmm. taking those breaks is an important part of my parenting self-care. What about you, those Lori? Are, those are great. And I think that the fact that you brought up that even though they sound simple, they're very important to your self-care. There's nothing mm -hmm. that is too simple when it comes to self-care. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me right now, I think it was that realization that I was I was not doing really anything. Uh, I just, you know, was I was just kind of existing and I wasn't planning that self-care mm -hmm. and thinking ahead to it. So you know, we're going to talk about some of those things um, additionally soon. But uh, let's see if Mackenzie DeYoung has anything for us in the chats. One of our favorite parts of doing these lives is when Mackenzie gets to pull in your comments and questions for us. Yes, so. we get to see her more often. Yeah. <laughs> And I was doing just that, which is why it took me a second <laughs> to get here. So uh, the first comment that I have on that question is saying no to one more thing to do, mm. getting out in the garden and cooking. That saying no thing, mm. I know a lot of people struggle with. And saying yes sometimes seems like the easy answer in the moment. But then you get there and you're like, I should have said no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now you can say, well, this medical journal actually told me that I need to say no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a part of my self-care plan. Right? right. <laughs> Do right. it. And then getting out in the garden cooking. Um, yes. And then the next is doing what I need to for, for to feel good physically, mentally, socially, spiritually. Mm -hmm. Super. And that looks different for each of us. Yes. Doing what you need to feel good. Yes. Okay. Do you have another one? I was just going to pull another okay. one in. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, it looks like she's multitasking on her I face. am. I am. Uh, spending lots of times with my flowers and yard outside. Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah, great. That's, that's so good. because, you know, some vacation and summer plans changed this year for me, I actually decided to plant more flowers than I typically mm. have because I feel like I'm going to be around to water them and keep them growing and pretty. And so I love that, yes. you know, that, you know what, because I'm not really planning on going anywhere, I'm going to plant more flowers, self-care. Mm -hmm. They're pretty. Yes. 
So those things to are, enjoy. Yes. yes. All right. So let's lead into then uh, our second research practice here. So this is first, we're going to take a look at why self-care is so important. So briefly and pretty simply, if we don't practice self-care, we actually risk burnout. And so this burnout could be from that never ending pile up of demands, the idea that we need to please so many other people, uh, the idea that we have to do every single thing on our to-do list. Did mm. I write that one myself? You did. No. <laughs> uh, that I have to put, uh, you know, that we're actually bringing, we're, we're having more things to do than we actually have resources to bring in. So that burnout as a person, how does that show up in your parenting? I'm burnt out as a person because I am a person, but what happens when I'm burnt out as a person? How does that show up in my parenting? How about you have an answer for that question? I do. I do. <laughs> and I always love, we get to talk through these episodes a little bit beforehand and kind of think through sharing our responsive responses. And yeah, I'm burnt out as a person. I think the way you asked that is great. I'm burnt out as a person because I am one. And that affects my parenting. <laughs> uh, so that's part one of why self-care is important is this burnout. And I would say things that I notice in myself is when I am feeling burnt out, I tend to get pretty permissive in my parenting that is just like, I'll allow it. Like, eh, that's fine. <laughs> um, things that I might normally be like, oh, jump on the, the bed, go ahead. <laughs> um, and maybe that's not always right. But that I, I think I, I get more permissive. And then also my responses uh, to my children, sometimes they're based more in anger, you know, where mm. I might be more likely to stop breathe talk other times when I'm burnt out, I mm -hmm. go to that emotion quicker. Mm -hmm. I would also say that I can lose the joy, like the sweet things mm. that I normally love about my kids. Yes. I, I miss in the mix of stuff. And then the biggest one for me, which I feel like kind of ties in all the other things is when I'm burnt out, I lose kind of my vision. Like I lose my vision of what I want to instill in my kids and the kind of adults I want to raise them to be. And mm -hmm. I don't have the energy to think that far ahead when I'm burnt out and feel like I can barely get through this moment. Right. That I remember when I was on maternity leave, like, okay, I just have to make it through this feeding. I just have to make it through this mm -hmm. like tonight to the morning. Uh, and that burnout is so real of, I can't think that far ahead because I can only barely get through right now. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What about you? So I notice I feel burnt out or I notice my burnt out most when I, I'm going to confess, I can waste a really long time. Like I'm talking hours, endlessly scrolling on my phone, mm. Num mind yeah. numbingly scrolling from one news site to social media site to entertainment site to another. And I can look up and think, oh my gosh all of these other things I could have been doing. And I literally just moved my finger up and down that screen. Mm -hmm. And I think that what also happens to me in that space is I completely shut down my, my brain and that includes my hearing. Mm -hmm. So those times that I've been burnt out, my teenager actually began using my name because okay. I totally would tune out the words, mom, mama, mom. Yoo-hoo, mm. right? I didn't, I literally didn't hear them. And so she would start to say, Lori. <laughs> and that like, it would jolt me back. And there were like, ooh, my gut just even hurts saying that because I think, oh my goodness, I was so tuned out that my, 
own kid in my house, you know, three feet from me had to say my name to bring me back into this space and present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are, I know that she, she says it lovingly, but those are the things that as a parent, like, Oh, it's like a punch in the gut when my own child has to use my name to get mm-hmm. my attention. Ugh. And I think okay, it let's bring- move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> but the burnout is real, you know, and it carries this weight of things we don't really want. But sometimes I feel like we're hesitant to like, oh, I don't need self-care. It's this luxurious thing that people do. Uh, yes. But I think actually one of the really cool things about researching this episode uh, was a a lot of the journal articles, you know, I talked about a lot were in the medical profession, but there were some that were focused on the helping profession. So, you know, mm-hmm. things like social work and mental health professionals and things like that. And one article in particular in the Journal of Counseling Psychology pointed out that professionals need to have self-care practices as an ethical requirement of their job. Yeah. As an ethical requirement of their job, because if we're not practicing self-care, we're risking burnout, which affects us. And I mean, for helping professionals affects their clients, but in parenting, right? That's like the same idea. It, yes. Uh, pick me, pick me, pick oh, me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because as a parent, I'm pretty sure your job description includes you need to help your children mm-hmm. and help your family. Right. So to me, that screams loudly. Parenting is a helping profession. So what did you say helping professions ethically need to do? An ethical requirement to practice self-care. Yes. Yes. You are in the helping profession if you are a parent, period. Mm -hmm. And And it's it's ethically required of you (laughs) to practice Mm -hmm. self-care. So our work here is done. Yeah. (laughs) End of the episode. (laughs) I do want to take a second to soak that in. A lot of times we talk about the guilt. And I know not everyone experiences guilt and self-care. And like, yes, that's where we need to be. That's where we want to be. Uh, But for those of you that might, I want to take a second to kind of flip this thinking on our head. So I'm actually, I wrote something down that I want to read to us. Barb, our writer, is so good with like affirmation Mm. stuff. So I'm going to model as my best Barb that I can. Yes. So when we talk about the guilt associated with taking the time to focus on ourselves as parents, what if we flip that thinking on its head? Instead of making self-care an extra or something special we do for ourselves, what if we start saying self-care is the foundation? Mm. It's at the start. Self-care is the basis of our well-being. I am a person first. And I have needs I need to address before I can take care of others. Oh, goodness. I'm going to cry again. (laughs) She's Um, so good at helping us remember that we have needs and we are important enough just as we are to meet those needs. We talk about, you know, like it's a helping profession. Burnout affects our kids. And yes, we, you know, a lot of times we can convince ourselves as if it's for our kids but you're a good enough reason to practice self-care. Like mm-hmm. you are worthy because you're a person. You yes. are a good enough reason to practice self-care. And so and we really hope that you can hear that. We want you to know it is not extra. Pra- no. Self-care is not extra. Mm-mm. It's at the start. Yes. It's where we start, which is great news because our kind of first half of this bullet of why self-care is important was about that we risk burnout if we don't practice it. And the great news is there's good things when we do practice it. Will you tell us that, Lori? 
There is. So Bender and Ingram tell us that when we do practice mental, physical, and emotional self-care, we actually build resilience. And so we need resilience for those times when things get tough. We don't mm -hmm. all of a sudden get it when, boom, it's tough. Now we have resilience. No, we we have to have resilience prior to things getting tough. And so that self-care happens to begin to build that resilience. So we're ready when things get tough. So look at, look mm -hmm. at what's happening right now. Literally right now we are living when things get tough, right? And we're still here. We're still going, <laughs> we're mm -hmm. still getting up each day, right? Because mm -hmm. we have been building resilience. But we need to remember, we need to keep building resilience. Yes. So for thinking right now, this word resilience, it might be new to you in the chat box. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what does resilience, what's that word mean to you? Or what does it look like for you? How about what does it look like for you, Mackenzie? Well, I want to give like a plug because we're going to talk more about resilience. We're tiptoeing into it today. We're going to we talk are. more about it in next week's episode. But honestly, right now, when I think about this idea of self-care and feeling resilient, honesty, I don't always feel resilient. I don't always feel like I, like, you know, it talks about the buffer of adversity. I don't always feel like that. In fact, there's been days in the fairly recent past that it feels like hard to get out of bed. And so when I'm like, okay, I got out of bed today, it doesn't necessarily make me feel resilient. It feels kind of like the minimum, but I think it's important to remember that that is a strategy, right? My buffer of adversities, I, I'm, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm using my feet one step at a time. And so I would say when I think about my own resilience right now and what's been going on with me personally and my own reality, my resilience has been that I've been able to ask for help and giving myself grace that I don't normally extend myself. I tend mm. to hold expectations of myself as a person and as a parent. And so giving myself the grace uh, is a, a, an important part of my resilience right now. What about you, Lori? I think that's great. I think that in some of the previous episodes, we've talked about giving ourselves grace, maybe mm -hmm. the bonus episodes uh, with COVID and mm -hmm. And that's really important. And so for me, resilience sometimes just means I sometimes have this phrase I play over and over in my head. And you, I know you've heard me say it, just, just do the very next thing. Mm -hmm. Just do the very next thing. And I, I oftentimes that'll be, as I listen to people share their struggles or concerns, I, I'll say, just do the very next thing. You've but said I, it to me. <laughs> But I need that too. I know, I know. But resilience to me is just get to this moment right now and do what is what needs to be done right this moment and then get to the very next thing. So that's resilience for me. And then another thing I like to say is sometimes we just need to lower the bar. Right? Mm -hmm. Lower the bar so that we can successfully get over it. We, mm -hmm. we boom, we, we, we got over, I liken it to a high jump bar. We're, I talk in mm -hmm. pictures, right? So I like it to a high jump bar and I don't I'm like, okay, people I'm five foot three. I don't high jump. Right. <laughs> so I get over, I have to lower the bar to get mm -hmm. over and feel successful. So that's resilience to me is like giving myself these baby successes. Mm -hmm. So, and then over time we've built up these skills. You like, you say that metaphor so often of building our toolbox with resilience and over time, 
it's like, okay, I survived this, right? I kept going. I kept getting out of bed. I kept doing the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I can look back and say, you know what? I survived that. This is a thing I can do again. I have skills and strategies because I've done this before, right? And so you, you are, you're building that buffer that you can survive when times are tough. Mm-hmm. So self-care helps us build that resilience. Resilience. So let's see if we have anyone sharing what they think resilience is. Or, or any of the related to the importance of self-care. Do you have anything for us, Ken's? We do. So I wanted to first share, we asked the question first about uh, what burnout or what types of burnout we're experiencing. And I actually only had two people respond to that, but we've had lots of responses to the resilience question. So we'll start with the burnout side of things. Um, Somebody said they haven't been a good listener. That's how they, they've shown burnout is they just haven't been a good listener. Um, mm-hmm. And then somebody else said burnout equals short fuse. <laughs> I can relate to that. Irritability is like my number one like sign. Like, right. that bothers me immediately. <laughs> oh, I feel you on that. So those were the two for burnout, but the awesome thing is, is we have lots of great responses on resilience. So mm-hmm. someone said being able to bounce back in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep getting back up no matter what comes my way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And using what I've learned each time. Mm-hmm. These are great. You guys are good. Forgiving myself after a tough, quote, parenting day where I feel like I've made mistakes and learning from it. So lots of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kristen forgiving. said, forgiving, yes, forgiving, forgiving, yes. And then Kristen said, took the words out of my mouth, giving and accepting grace one step at a time. Oh, yes. Super buffers. And, and, mm-hmm. and I love that we think of that as a buffer because, because here's the picture in my head. Lori's picture is like, is like this big fluffy, um, trampoline pillowy kind of thing. Mm. And you know, that, that thing is between me and my adversity and the more I build resilience the bigger and puffier it gets and the farther like away that, more in right? that <laughs> <laughs> yes so well mm. let's bump into research example number three how about mm. and uh, these yeah. are actually examples of practices of self-care that are cited in research so more blood so Perry and Robinson they included these things when they were talking about uh, self-care practices so this is their research self-care So they talk about regular exercise, making a meal plan, journaling, participating in counseling, prayer, reflection, practices of faith, listening or playing music, connecting with friends and family, and participating in events or dinner with friends. So I read that really fast, but I did that because I'm pretty sure that those are all things that people have probably told us, reminded us, we've read in our own self-help books. Mm -hmm. And I just want one little caveat here, and that is because... This happens all the time, right? The very first thing many people say is exercise. And what happens to you when you hear that word exercise? I'll answer that. I was asking myself, right? So <laughs> I get this little wrinkle in my nose. Like just, you can't, you can't like- see it. Like, like exercise. Like, no, here's the deal, people. I, I, I do exercise. I teach exercise, but I don't do it unless someone makes me. Mm. And I think that that word in itself sometimes, ugh. Like that feeling of, ugh, even just the word exercise, everyone out there just went, ugh. Okay, so let's talk about it this way. Let's talk about moving. Mm-hmm. So these examples of self-care practices and research, moving, 
making a food plan, journaling, participating in counseling, prayer, reflection, practices of faith, listening or playing music, any kind of music. I saw uh, listening to classic, watching classical movies was an example mm -hmm. I saw in our chat. Uh, mm -hmm. Connecting with friends and family, participating in events or dinner with friends. That's all research. Moving. So mm -hmm. anytime you hear the word exercise, I want you to think of the word moving instead. Lori's little tidbit for the day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think the, it's great. I love, you know, I love a research, you know, I love a research tidbit, uh, but seeing a list laid out, I think sometimes I know for me, there was a time period where I had been in school for a long time and suddenly I had this like newfound time when that was done. And I remember literally, I'm pretty sure you're one of the people I asked. I literally said, I don't, what do I, what do I like to do? I don't, I don't know what I like to do. Like, how do I take care of myself? I've, how I've quote unquote taken care of myself was just sprinting all the time. And now that I've slowed down, I don't know what to do. Yes. Uh, so I think having the list, even though it feels like, oh yeah, sure. People say journaling, that's not for me. Or people say exercise and I don't, you know, I cringe my nose with Lori. Um, but yeah, that there, there's so many options and there's not one right way. Right. There's Some not. people might find a shower, right? Like, okay, I'm going to take a shower, wash off the day. That feels like self-care. And some people it's like, oh, make me get in the shower. Right. And so there's, that's the great thing about the list. There's not one right way to practice self-care. You get to decide what makes sense for you and what helps you feel better. Right. What builds that resilience? So do you remember what it was I told you that you like to do? Yeah. You told me I like to cook and I do like to cook. And I was yes. like, do I like that? <laughs> I yes. do. I like that. <laughs> it was because you always, prior to you going to school and prior to you having children, you would always send pictures or your social media had pictures of really delicious looking food. And I always thought, oh, I just can't cook like that. Oh, I don't enjoy cooking like that, but wow, I would sure eat that. And so when you asked me, I, I thought, well, how could she not know this? Of course she knows this. You know, you like to cook. Of course we know this. <laughs> oh, I do like that. That's a thing I like. <laughs> yes. But we forget because we get burnt out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited for, you know, our last section is almost always this kind of your reality, which we focus a little more on strategies for what we've learned in our research. And you guys know I love a framework. Okay, framework. Here, <laughs> we, we need the bells and whistles. Whoop, 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 framework. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. four different kinds of self-care. So how do we break down our understanding of this self-care? So this is okay. my favorite. So now again, this is a medical perspective, right? So mm -hmm. this gives you permission. Permission for frameworking strategies. Okay. So the first one uh, is called regulatory. Now, okay, we've been laughing at Lori's talking in pictures. Lori's going to talk in pictures again. So when I thought of these, I immediately thought of my car. So regular maintenance, regular maintenance of my health. What does that look like? Regular maintenance of my car. What does that look like? I know what it looks like for me. So regular maintenance of my car means I have to put gas in it for it to go. Mm -hmm. So what does regulatory maintenance of your health look like? So regulatory, right? The regular things we just got to do to keep going. Got to put gas in your car to keep going. This might be really simple things like eating, mm. sleeping, mm -hmm. showering, drinking water, basic things we do to maintain our health. To Got to keep going forward. You have to have gas in that car. So the regulatory, the maintenance things you do. All right. Strategy one. Got it. Regulatory. Mm -hmm. Strategy number two preventative. This is a self-selected practice to help you stay okay. Just okay. It, just 
it's a self-selected practice. We listed off a whole bunch earlier. And so in my car, this preventative thing might be that I have to change the oil because mm -hmm. if I don't change the oil, right? So preventative says change the oil. How about for human beings? <laughs> so that preventative of that, that's how we're going to stay okay. And right, it, it's at the foundation. It's at the foundation. start. Okay. Okay. You have to change the oil in your car if you're going to have a car. Mm -hmm. You have to practice preventative self-care if you're going to keep going and being a parent and a person. So some examples might be simple things like taking a bath, uh, reading a book, watching a show, going for a walk, connecting with friends, uh, or whatever hobbies bring you joy. So these are preventative. These are basic things we're going to practice regularly because they're going to prevent us from getting to a place of burnout. They are very important. They are prevention. Okay. Mm -hmm. Remember, pre prevention. Third things are getting a little urgent here. Reactive. So this is when you start to realize mm, I'm not doing so well. Or this is when you start to hear that little noise in your car and you think, oh, something's going on. I better take the car to the mechanic. Right? Mm -hmm. Preventative wise, I put gas, I put oil in regulatory, I put gas in, but now I start to hear this noise and I maybe need to react to this. Mm -hmm. So in human beings, right, reactive self-care, when we start to notice we're not doing so well, could be things like taking a break, right? I told you that I've kind of been struggling lately. And so that's been my reactive strategy. Like, oof, I, you know, in our stop, retalk, talk, I say I'm an exclamation point. I have big feelings. I need to take a break. Uh, another example could be asking for help, using stop, breathe, talk, and having a heart to heart with a friend or a family member. So the things that are going to help you kind of get back on track when you start to notice that they're not going so well. Oh, that was perfect. Get back on track. That's what the mechanic does to my car, right? Yes. <laughs> they, he or she gets my car back on track, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the fourth one then, so we've had regulatory, preventative, reactive, and now we have restorative. And these are actually going to be suggestions by a professional. Um, think about that, that the mechanic has walked back into the office and now the mechanic is going to tell you what is wrong and how you need to fix it. Mm -hmm. How does it look like in human beings? So a restorative practices suggested from a professional could be things like taking prescribed medication, could be seeing a mental health professional, uh, might even include some of the things listed above, right? So restorative things that are suggested from by a professional. This could be your family doctor, a mental health professional, it could be clergy, could be home visitors, could be social workers, any mm -hmm. professional that is helping you as a person and or as a parent. And so it could even be one of the things we talked about above, right? A professional might tell you, you need to start eating regularly. Mm -hmm. Or right, if you're managing a health condition in particular, you need to start getting more sleep. So it could be some of these even the things we listed as other examples uh, a self-care activity doesn't necessarily fit in just one category. It might be different places. And so those four kind of help us break down. Like I said, I love a framework, <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It helps me, at least for myself, it helps me break down this self-care. When I think of it as this like big idea of taking care of myself, like, you know, like I said earlier, I always know what I need. Yeah. <laughs> and so breaking it down yeah. of like, okay, what's regulatory? I need to shower. I need to eat. I need to sleep. Part of my restorative self-care right now is taking the medication I've been prescribed, uh, seeing mental health professionals. My preventative is taking those breaks, right, that I'm not getting to the place of burnout. And then reactive, in the moments I'm not feeling so good, 
uh, you know, it's kind of self-promoting, but stop, breathe, talk is my go-to reactive self-care strategy. Like, self-promote away. <laughs> so I love these four. I love breaking it down this way from the medical perspective. Mm, those are great. Well, okay. So we've kind of shared our research today on giving you permission to have self-care as your foundation. We brought some comments and questions in. Is there any last bits and pieces that we need to bring in from Mackenzie DeYoung? Hmm. What are we seeing out there? I feel like you're tracking the weather. What's out there? What's out there, Stan? <laughs> I feel like I need to be like, yeah, 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 I hear you. Um, <laughs> we actually haven't had too many comments. Funny thing is, is so if anyone was wondering, our teammate Barb Dunn Swanson does a lot of the um, comment management for these. So we really are very thankful for that. But right before you said stop, breathe, talk, she commented stop, breathe, talk. So I thought that, that ah! was awesome. <laughs> I'm with you, Barb. We are right there with you, Barb. I mean, it yeah. means it's important and it's always on all of our minds. But I think people have just been listening and they, they had some good answers as we went throughout. So no other additional comments for you. Excellent. Well, all right. So thinking about self-care as a foundation, uh, thinking about the fact that in the uh, medical research, you know, it is something that as helping professionals, you are a helping professional as a parent, it is ethical uh, that you practice self-care. We talked about regulatory and preventive and restorative and reactive, reactive, restorative. And I can't wait for you to hear the next couple of weeks when we continue to talk about resilience mm -hmm. and how we can have that strong foundation as we mm -hmm. parent. And that we we're going to, we're going to give you permission this, I mean, in every episode, but especially here in season two, to remember that you are a person and a parent. So parenting education, especially from the science of parenting, we're going to come from that place. We see you like you're a person and you're a parent. So we're going to keep focusing on that in season two. We do. We also wanted to let you know that we do have a bonus podcast coming out tomorrow. Uh, that podcast is going to be on talking with your child about race and racial bias. So mm -hmm. be sure to watch for that podcast tomorrow. And in the meantime, thank you for joining us today on the science of parenting. We are live here today, but remember each week you can uh, hear us on our podcast, subscribe to Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast, and, and then, you know, come back on Facebook and watch the show. Join us here where we discuss what? Your comments and questions. <laughs> you get to ask us. We love that about the lives. We do. We do. So as always, come along with us as we tackle the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the research and reality all around the science of parenting. The Science of Parenting is hosted by Lori Haynes and Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung, with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext.